Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. It is Friday, July 14th, the end of a a great week here at NBW Ministries, and thank you for joining us as we close out the week with our uh, technologist, Shane, is with us, a good friend, colleague, and uh, one of the smartest guys I know. I'll make him feel a little uncomfortable by telling you that, but it's true. Uh, between he and Randy, I've got some pretty good counselors at my at my uh, disposal here, so I'll bring Shane on in a moment. We're going to talk today about AI singularity and the real Mission Impossible. Um, but before I introduce Shane, let me uh, just kind of summarize the week. Again, it's been a fantastic uh, week. We kicked it off Monday with two podcasts. Actually, I had Leo Homan on talking about how close we are uh, to the one world system. And then Monday night had a fantastic uh, theological roundtable with a Bible study group from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Tuesday, of course, was Prophecy Night. And we talked about geopolitical ways in which the stage is being set. Wednesday was our World Events Update with Randy. Uh, yesterday, I had Brad Mastin on, and we talked about a kingdom like no other, and we took a, a glimpse at what life will be like in the millennium. And uh, today, we close it out uh, with uh, Shane talking about uh, technology. And so just to encourage you to check out all of those podcasts or videos. Prophecy Night was a video. You can watch that and see all of the the slides and, and verses that I put on the screen uh, or podcast. Uh, but uh, over the weekend, as you're uh, kind of taking some downtime and have nothing better to do, or maybe if you're driving somewhere, uh, uh, check out some of those podcasts and catch up with the ones that you missed uh, this week. Another great week scheduled uh, for next week. Uh, so really looking forward to some of the guests that we have on next week. I'll have Dr. Thomas Ice. I'll have uh, Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh, of course, our normal world events uh, update, things like that. But I'm calling today's podcast with Shane, AI Singularity, The Real Mission Impossible. My family and I uh, went to uh, the mission, the new Mission Impossible movie. I don't know if it's number seven, eight, nine. I can't remember, can't keep up with them all, but um, it was uh, unbelievable how much it's really snatched from the headlines, especially considering that these uh, Hollywood movies, of course, are, I would say, easily two years uh, you know, in the making. So that means that this screenplay, this storyline, the filming and all that had to have been going on at least a couple of years ago. And yet, guess what the main theme of the movie is? It's all about this AI entity, they call it, that takes over the world, infects all of the world's systems. Uh, and of course, the mission, should he choose to accept it, which he always does, uh, is for uh, Tom Cruise to go in and uh, put a stop to it and, and, and kill it. And it's part one of a two-part uh, movie, so there'll be a, another one coming out at some point. But it was fascinating to me to see the kinds of things portrayed on the screen that uh, Shane and I have been talking about and that uh, people that are paying attention have been uh, talking about in terms of uh, the world and the government and the way they're going to use AI, but essentially this entity in the movie becomes uh, sentient and has a mind of its own. It's it's the singularity, and if you remember, singularity in this context just means the that that time when they reach the tipping point where they've merged man and machine and and they've accomplished their transhumanist agenda, and there is this uh, true uh, new humanity that has transcended the old biological form of humanity. Uh, but anyway, in the movie, you know, all of the global leaders. Uh, you know, different CIA directors and, and so forth have to go back to the old analog system. They tap into some old satellite that's out in the, you know, circulation up in the skies, and they, they do everything by analog to try to keep it from being infected by this evil rogue, almost like Skynet in the Terminator. Uh, so we're calling this AI singularity the real mission impossible, because I believe, as we talked about recently with Shane, that Ultimately, our biblical anthropology teaches us that nobody, least of all Satan and his human accomplices, will ever be able to create life that comes anywhere close to rivaling mankind in the image of God. But he certainly will create weaponized, embodied AIs that uh, will be a key part of the coming end times scenario during the tribulation. And so that's why we have Shane on uh, pretty often, regularly, uh, to talk about updates, where these trends are heading. And so, Shane, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us again today. How's it going? 
It's going okay. Very busy. Uh, I've had a lot of uh, uh, major projects at work, so uh, we've the dust is starting to settle there. So that part's nice. Yeah. And, well, you know, if you'd use AI, you could really have <laughs> much more time on your hands with these projects, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, um, I don't think the systems are quite there yet, but um, um, but yeah, we might not be that far away from some of the activities I've been working on over the last few weeks not being necessary. Something yes. that we would form out to a machine. So before we get to some of your updates, uh, do you agree? I just want to you know reiterate for our new listeners. We're getting new listeners all the time. Three days in a row this week, we set all-time highs of daily uh, listens, and it's just a great trend. I'm excited. I'm humbled. I'm honored. But I want to make sure we always stay faithful to our our mission. But uh, so for our new listeners, do you agree with me that uh, ultimately there's nothing that, uh, you know, Elon Musk or Yuval Noah Harari or the others are going to be able to do to create a new human that is better than mankind in the image of God? Oh, I agree with you fully. Um, They will attempt to, I think they're going to bring out something and they will call it better, but it's, uh, um, and that because that's clearly what uh, everybody involved in that brain computer interface field, such as Elon Musk, um, although actually he's kind of a smaller player, BlackRock, so you need to look at there. Yes. But, um, you know, they're going to call it better, but it, it won't be. Um, yeah. It simply won't be. Um, it'll yeah. be a, a, a crude imitation of God's original design. And I think back to uh, Moses before Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh's Egyptians were able to do some incredible things that looked like imitated what God was doing, um, but it failed in the end. Yeah, remember Paul said Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, and in, that was in Second uh, Corinthians 11, and then in earlier in that same epistle, he talks about Satan, uh, you know, should we should not let Satan take advantage of us, Second Corinthians 2.11, uh, because we are not ignorant of his devices. And so, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is sound the alarm. Uh, believers are certainly have the resources we need through God's word to detect deception. But sadly, the great deceiver himself is going to use AI uh, to deceive a lot of people, including many believers. Remember, Paul said at the end, in the end times, uh, or the last days, rather, uh, people will give heed to doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. And so, how uh, how does what what are you seeing in AI right now? Late the latest updates. Uh, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse of it, uh, and I'm always fascinated to kind of hear your take on it because you tell us not only what's happening, but you know, kind of your take on it and 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 why you think it's it's bad. So, what are some of the highlights uh, that we need to know about? Well, some that I've cherry picked for this week. There's so much happening that that there's no way. Uh, unless we did like eight hour shows, could I summarize what was happening in the week? But the the one that's really got my attention right now is the maturing of the AI market. So we've been in a situation, and this is pretty typical in the technology world, where when a new, um, it could be a, a business model, a new class of technology, something like that comes comes to market, um, there there's a flood of money, of venture capital funds that come into that. And it's much more akin to gambling. Um, so right now, and this has been going on for a few years, um, if if you have a company that has any promise of AI technology, it was relatively easy to get funding. It might not have been huge dollars, but we're talking funding in the millions of dollars. And then, of course, you have your larger companies, the ones we all know about, Google, Microsoft, um, OpenAI. And, of course, they're playing at a, much different level than uh, most of the startups. But again, that money has been pouring in uh, into this marketplace. And um, But at some point, the market has to mature. And that means that the smaller uh, companies, the smaller players, either simply go out of business or they get acquired by a larger entity and either fold it into a product or they're just cornering the market, right? I, I can buy it my competitors and just not worry about them because I control them. I own those competitors. So we're starting to see that. And what we are going to witness in the coming months is, again, the larger companies. So Google, um, uh, Anthropic, companies like that, Meta even, and then Elon Musk's new company, XAI, 
getting into the corporate space and we will see AI all over the white collar corporate America uh, segment here. Uh, not that we won't see AI in blue collar jobs, but there's a significant piece that's inherent in the name. It's a blue collar job where AI is just not there yet. Um, partially, mostly due to robotics, uh, just where robotics are. As impressive as we see things like in Boston Dynamics or some of the other companies, it still can't come close to a human. So on the white collar side, there'll be the pervasive AI. It's gonna be offered in almost every product you work with. Um, we've already seen how Microsoft is extending their office suite to include OpenAI's product. Uh, Google is embedding their AI systems into their tools. Uh, large CRM company, Salesforce, probably the number one company in that market space. I don't keep up exactly with uh, who the leader is, but they've got to be one or two uh, in that market space. They're rolling out AI for their CRM. And so everyone is going to be working, interacting with a AI in the coming months. And... Um, and as the as these large companies start competing uh, for those those corporate dollars, um, we're going to see a um, a level of AI offering. Um, and what I mean by that is a level that these companies are going to uh, give large companies the ability to deploy AI in ways that we've just not seen thus far. And um, where that's going to lead is a a, a path that's going to result in massive job losses. So I think the basic path we're going to see with AI becoming pervasive in the workplace is three general stages. Right now, we're entering into what I call the enhancement phase. So these tools will be uh, present in the tools you already use. So for example, maybe Microsoft Office, and they will enhance your ability to do your job. And it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good. Um, so we will be able to uh, do more uh, with less time. And then at some point, and I think that is probably, you know, a year, year and a half from now, uh, we're going to enter into what I call the leverage phase. So after these tools are established, companies become comfortable with them, workers become more comfortable with them, uh, we're going to see moderate layoffs. And... Uh, so companies will come in, they're not going to be laying off most of their employees at this point, but there'll be certain areas, be a significant presence of humans working in these jobs. Uh, not as much as it was before, but the workload's going to stay the same because they're going to leverage AI to keep producing whatever it is they do. So in the case of a call center, helping customers, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then after a year or two of that, we're going to move into what I call the layoff phase to where companies will be so comfortable with the technology and with how quickly AI is improving, and it is changing by the day just about, um, we're going to see the radical layoffs of, like I said, I think in the white collar area, upwards of 80%. And then, you know, our society is going to change in a way that we can't predict. Yeah, what and you, you've been signaling uh, for some time now this concern about job loss, and I think uh, you've been kind of out front on that. I'm starting to hear other people uh, reference it, uh, but I want to go back to this concept that you mentioned of, of, of AI becoming so pervasive in white-collar America. Are we looking at, uh, is, is there going to be a a downside of that, I mean, other than the obvious downside of just AI in general taking taking over, but from an economic standpoint, is this going to be something similar to like the dot-com bust where small companies, uh, you know, you're throwing all this money at it. These venture capitalists are, are gambling that, that AI is the next big thing. And it just seems like there's probably going to be some collateral damage of some of the small to mid-sized companies that just don't cut it. And, and that means, you know, people are going to get hurt, right? And, and go out of business. Undoubtedly. Um, so we'll see two things. One is, there are going to be some employees who simply don't want to work with AI. Uh, they won't feel comfortable with it. They won't embrace it. Uh, so there'll be some of the first casualties here. And then smaller companies who 
maybe don't think they need to leverage AI to stay competitive. They're they're going to not do it, and will find themselves uh, priced out of the market. Um, it typically, unless you're in manufacturing, typically your biggest cost for a company is employees, and that is what AIs that can do natural language processing sort of like your GPTs and uh, Anthropics, Claude, and, 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 and tools like that are good at. Uh, they, can, um, they can replace people whose job it is to interact with and communicate with other people. Those are going to be that first segment of jobs that disappear, so kind of like the call center, but it will continue to spread and will, uh, like I said, it's going to impact virtually every aspect of the white collar world. So and a follow-up follow to that. What was, what was that? And, and some of the blue collar too. It's not yeah. that blue collar is going to be a safe haven, but I think it's got more time left than the white collar jobs. Yeah. And so first of all, for our listeners, Anthropic, you mentioned their Claude, which I, I saw version two is just coming out. That, yeah. that is that that has become Chat GPT's biggest competitor, even more than than Google's Bard. In my estimation, yes, I've been very impressed with Claude in the areas of creative tasks. Hmm. Uh, it does an outstanding job. It does seem to be faster than OpenAI, but that could simply be uh, an aspect of so many people using ChatGPT. You know, we, we, we've not seen another product that has exploded with the number of users like ChatGPT has. So some of the speed could just be a difference in how much it's getting used. Um, I don't think for for formal reasoning tasks like programming, com, you know, producing computer code, um, I don't think Claude was as good as GPT four is. But for these other uh, other aspects, um, Claude is very very impressive. Yeah. So back to my dot com analogy, I guess what I was saying is I, I see I, I I totally agree. Uh, and can see the writing on the wall that AI is going to really impact employment and and jobs and all that. But I guess on the front end here, when everybody's rushing to this market, it seems like you know a lot of these, like we saw with the dot com uh, bust, a lot of these companies and these these venture capitalists are going to you know end up making bad investments, right? They're going to invest Absolutely. in these companies that don't know what they're doing and. And even from a sort of conventional standpoint about AI, and they're not going to succeed. Uh, and so, are we going to see economically a bust similar to what we saw with the dot com rage? We will. We will certainly see companies collapsing. We will see investments being lost. Uh, that is absolutely going to happen. That's that's why at the beginning I called it gambling, or or I think I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it. There's so much money pouring in so quickly to this market space. There's no way the proper level of research and scrutiny is being done on the investments. That is absolutely going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I know but, you'll you'll appreciate this because you're from a uh, one of the big six consulting firms background. But KPMG, I just saw, is investing two billion with a B dollars in AI over the yeah. next five years. So I think it's I think the biggie the big companies are going to continue. You know the the globalist controlled ones, the ones that are part of the Luciferian conspiracy. They're going to continue to use AI at the mid level and the business level. A lot of people are going to not understand that this is part of a larger conspiracy. They're just doing it to increase the bottom line. Uh, but uh, I think the little the little companies they're going to get kind of swallowed up at some point. Absolutely, and and that is already starting to happen. Uh, we will we will see either companies simply running out of money. Um, you know, their burn rates greater than the cash in the bank and they just can't produce revenue fast enough. We'll see that normal cycle. Uh, we will see the acquisitions. We're already starting to see a lot of acquisitions in this space. Um, that is absolutely happening. Now, one thing that will be a little bit different than it was, you know, roughly 20 years ago, 25 years ago, somewhere in that uh, area with the dot-com bubble is companies like uh, Google and so forth were new companies. You know, Amazon was a new company. Hmm. Uh, right now, what we're seeing is these established tech giants that mostly grew up out of the dot-com era 
are now rolling out their own technology and that, that they've been working on for a long time. Um, I know it seems for most people that AI just came out of nowhere in the last year, but there's been a, a lot of work going on for, for decades. Um, it just, what was different with ChatGPT is it was so accessible to the ordinary person. That was that was what was different there. So these larger companies, Google's not going anywhere as a company. Microsoft's not going anywhere as a company. Now they weren't, they didn't get started with the dot-com. I don't want to imply that. They were probably back in the 70s, I think, when they became a company. But, um, but we have these large established technology companies uh, doing the investments in many cases, developing the technology. So I don't think we're going to see the economic fallout like we saw with the dot-com bubble. Um, but there will be, Certainly, some pain. Uh, yeah, the economic fallout. Yeah, the economic fallout will come in a different way, just because yeah. of the you know they're trying to bring down America and bring down the the economy, like I talked about uh, Tuesday night uh, at Prophecy Night this week. But um, yeah, I mean Google, uh, you know they I've always believed, and I think there's strong evidence for it that they're an F front for the NSA. Um, and you know you've got uh, like you said. And as I mentioned in the, with the movie, Mission Impossible, I mean, clearly they didn't just throw that plot together and produce the whole film in the last six months since AI has kind of been in the news. I mean, they were working on this some time ago, but, you know, with DARPA and some of these other, uh, you know, government agencies that are out there doing uh, this, the, the research, I mean, AI is, is just because it's just now become part of the public domain does not by any means indicate that it hasn't been around for a long time right absolutely it it's um now i will say 2017 was a watershed year for natural language processing ai systems because that's when the transformer model was developed by google and that was truly a breakthrough um in in the architecture for ai systems so we've had a, a huge explosion since then but yeah this has been going on for like I said, for decades. I mean, you, you could take this back into the mid '60s. I guess some of the, some of the very first uh, uh, AI work was being done at MIT, if I remember correctly. Hmm. So, um, so it's been here for a while. But I will say, since 2017, it's been exponential growth. And apart from just you know what we've talked about a lot on our on our conversations that we've had here at MBW Ministries with you. Uh, apart from the, you know, the the Luciferian aspect of this and how they're going to use this as a tool ultimately in the Antichrist's arsenal, uh, I just think there are a lot of bad apples out there that are riding this wave, so to speak, and using it for nefarious means that may or may not be tied directly to the grand cons conspiracy. But, you know, we've talked before about uh, pornography and, you know, simulated pornography and things like that. But, you know, I see news headlines like uh, the fact that NVIDIA has an 80 percent uh, monopoly on the AI chip market. Well, yes. I don't know anything about NVIDIA. You, you probably know a lot more about them than I do. But you know, it seems to me that when when one company owns eighty percent of a chip market for such an emerging massive technology like AI, that sounds you know dangerous. That that raises a red flag to me. Does that concern you? Sure, uh, Nvidia. Um, you know, they're a good technology company, been around for a long time, uh, primarily making video cards, uh, GPUs, graphic processing units. Uh, GPUs were originally again just used primarily for video games or computer tools that needed uh, a, a better ability to visualize information. So maybe uh, CAD CAM systems for designing buildings, cars, whatever the structure is, um, or uh, doing video rendering. That's That's been a, a staple for companies like that. Then uh, as cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin came into place, all the GPUs were getting purchased for using in bit mining operations. And now, since the GPUs are the uh, the main processing unit for training these AI systems, uh, they've been, you know, shifting over to that that space, and that's going to be the one that really defines companies like Nvidia. Uh, they're in a uh, great position uh, to to exploit that. Um, certainly, if something happens to them as a company, that would be pretty devastating, right? So that that's the the problem with a company having that much control.
Yeah, they're um, in a they're in a great position to exploit that, but they're also in a great position to be exploited by the bad actors that are sure. part of this grand conspiracy. So, sure, yeah. Um, so you mentioned something earlier that kind of caught my attention. I, I I would not have thought that, and I'd love for you to kind of explain it a little more closely. You said that one of the things that you you envision seeing as more AI tools are rolled out in corporate America is that there will be a segment of employees that are hesitant to use AI and resist AI or opposed to it. Um, I don't know. I would have thought most people um, are are amoral about it, that, you know, uh, only, you know, Christians and prophecy uh, buffs and people like that are really even noticing the concerns about it. So can you explain a little bit more your theory there? Well, I think some of it is a is, is related to that concept of uncanny valley. I don't know if we've ever discussed that, but it's that idea or this reality that when you have a human-looking robot, android, whatever you want to call it, um, from a from a distance, everything seems fine. But as we get closer to it, I mean, physically closer, where I can see it move more and and do whatever it's doing. I notice things aren't quite human, and it creates a sense of uneasiness hmm. uh, in in me if I were walking up to it. I think there's something similar to that with with the natural language processing AI systems like OpenAI's ChatGPT, um, where some people are bothered, and, and I know I've heard this from people uh, who've been playing around with some of the tools. It bothers them that it seems so human-like. Um, so what I think we'll see is there's again, certain segment of, of workers. I have no idea what percentage. Um, I just know it's not, I don't think it's single digit. I think it's, it's double digit percentages of employees who will feel, uh, uncomfortable with it and will just, uh, not adopt it or not adopt it well. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll go through that, through the motions, but then at some point they're going to get laid off because they didn't adopt it. Yeah, and so, I saw one article that that bears that out, uh, uh, talking about how journalists are more and more journalists are really upset over the preponderance of AI generated articles, and uh, you know I gotta be I gotta admit that that irks me a bit too on on several levels. Number one, I I kind of like to know whether what I'm reading is the original thought of another human being, whether I agree or disagree. I'd, I'd like to know what I'm dealing with. Uh, but but secondly, you know, these I, I just I don't the fact that I don't know is a concern, you know, that I can't yeah. know that it's secret, I guess, is what I'm saying. So on the one hand, it bothers me that I'm not dealing with a human being. But on the other hand, it bothers me that sometimes I don't know whether I'm dealing with a human being. So, I mean, are we fast approaching uh the 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 realm where we're not going to be able to tell reality from non-reality yeah i'm afraid <laughs> we are um especially when you look at the multimodal capabilities of say like what open ai offers um i can have systems uh, not only generate text that, like we've been uh, mostly talking about but images videos music there's not much that we're not seeing AI be capable of doing as long as it doesn't have a physical component. You know, right now we're not seeing the AI system build a house, right? We're not seeing those kinds of things. But, you know, again, in these in these other areas that honestly, we, we, I think we've mostly thought we're only the domain of humans, um, creating music, uh, writing poems, uh, you know, things of that nature. Um, we're seeing the AI systems do a pretty good job of it. And, and if it can do that, certainly doing things like reporting on an incident, uh, you know, creating a news article, uh, especially opinion pieces. You know, that's the one that really concerns me. What about when opinion pieces are 95% written by AI systems? 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's going to be a problem. And and we've already seen from a different angle that problem in the social media world where they use bots and stuff to shape thinking and make people think this is something is trending when it's really artificial. But now you've got AI artificially creating that thing. You know, you know, you, you bring up a good point about creativity. One of the unique aspects of the image of God and man is the creative aspect. You know, you don't see elephants out there, you know, creating masterpieces like Michelangelo. You, you don't see trees out there uh, sculpting, you know, massive sculptures and, and, and statues and things. Human beings are unique in that we have creativity. And so part of the transhumanist agenda to both marginalize humanity and create a new humanity that they think is better is to somehow be able to reproduce that creative uh, ability. And um, so in the realm of music, in the realm of art, I've talked before about how uh, AI already has impacted our family in the realm of art, because one of my children who was a gifted artist, several of my kids are just incredibly gifted in the artistic and music world, uh, changed uh, her degree plan because uh, being in graphic design, which she is outstanding at and would have only gotten better through her degree and so forth, uh, was a dead end because now AI is being used for all of the graphic design uh, out there. Um so that's that to me is just one more way in which AI plays right into the hand of of the Luciferians and Satan himself to try to replicate or create things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to see so many areas just get gutted. Graphic design is a perfect example of it. Copywriting. Uh, I was uh, showing somebody uh, a number of months ago, OpenAI. Uh, chat GPT, and this person uh, creates press releases for a living and had to create a press release for an upcoming event that uh, the company she works for uh, was was hosting. And it blew her away. And, and, and by the way, she's been doing this for probably 30 years, very seasoned, very experienced person. She knows when, it, when there's a good good writing versus poor writing. And she was blown away by it. Uh, she actually used it as the basis for that press release. Um, you know, we had to fix her. There, there's one hallucination in what it produced. That hallucination is a is when an AI presents something as fact, but it's just fundamentally wrong. So there was one factual error that was easy to fix, but the overall work product was, was really good. Hmm. Um, quality work, if I can use that phrase. Quite <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't want to humanize it too much because it is just a machine. But um, um, it's going to replace so many jobs like that. Yeah, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before. I don't remember if it was with you or just in in some other side note that I my mind that came to my mind in a different podcast. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But talking about AI and its creative ability, I, I listened to one expert that was on a podcast when I was traveling uh, that was talking about how they're working on a project to take every single patent ever applied for, not just the ones that were granted, but every patent application and run them through a large language model system and then write a prompt that essentially allows AI to create and invent, invent things was the idea. In other words, if you could get every inventor you know, ever known since patents began in the same room together at the same time and, and use their collective creativity to come up with inventing something. The, the idea was this AI system would actually invent things that the human mind hasn't even conceived of, right? So that's uh, that's kind of scary. Have you heard about that? Uh, I've not heard of that particular one, but that doesn't surprise me. There was a really good book that came out probably 10 years ago at this point, uh, called Our Final Invention. Hmm. And it's this concept that in the book, uh, as I remember, it's been a little while since I've read it, but um, the, the concept that once we get a uh, an AI that is uh, intelligent or more intelligent than people, um, you know, once you break that watershed, it'll be the last thing we ever invent. Because at that point, the AI system through its iterative improvement, the fact that it never gets tired, it, you know, 
working one minute or working 24 hours a day is all the same to it. Um, it'll be the last thing we ever invent and the AI will handle everything from there on out. Mm. Mm. And I know that's one of those things where some people can look at that and say, wow, this sounds amazing. It sounds like almost like heaven. Um, I, you know, I, I love technology. You know that it's, it's, um, you know, it's how ultimately I've supported myself uh, as an adult, but things like that concern me greatly. They mm. scare me if I'm honest. Yeah. I mean, is there a, this is the question that keeps coming to my mind every time we talk. Is there some type of moral uh, regulatory principle that Christians should apply to AI? And I mean, I mean, we know that the depraved mind and unbelievers, they, they don't even have a Holy Spirit to, to try to restrain and convict and lead and so forth. But uh and I know we've talked about before how the secular world is talking about making sure that AI is honest and helpful and harmless and those kinds of things. But from a believer standpoint, at what point do we do we become concerned that we may be aiding and abetting the enemy? Is there any kind of moral regulating guideline there? At this point, that's a great question, and I'm going to spend some time thinking about that. At this point, the obvious one in my mind is don't take personal slash spiritual advice from the AI system. Okay. So if I have questions about the nature of reality, God, uh, what happens to humans after we die, chat GPT is not the place to go. Amen. Um, and, and in some ways, I think it, it's much like the situation Christians have been dealing with for millennia, literally. There are false teachers out there. Uh, so you need to be careful who you listen to. Well, now we've got a non-human potential false teacher. And again, when I when you go back to what I was saying about the pervasive AI, it's going to be everywhere. The, the you know if you're a an Apple user, Siri, I, uh, Android user, Google Assistant, um, those are are child's toys compared to what's going to be in our phones within one year. Mm -hmm. You will have something with the equivalent power of ChatGPT in your phone within one year. Yeah. So, I, I mean, another one I would add to that is, and that's uh, that's a very important principle you just brought up. Don't take advice, spiritual advice from ChatGPT or any AI, because I think we're fast approaching where even in in the spiritual realm, it's going to be explicitly run by AI. We've already seen AI sermons. We've seen AI church services. We've seen AI discipleship models. We've seen AI products that are being sold in the church. I guarantee you there are some apostate evangelical ministry organizations out there that are using AI to produce content for their website. Um, so, and then you've got the whole uh, uh, AI Jesus that's out there that young people are flocking to, to get, to have a conversation, quote unquote, with Jesus. So that's a, that absolutely should be at the top of the list. But but I think another moral regular, regulating principle might be that resist the temptation to take credit for work product that is actually produced by AI and not yourself. Aren't we seeing a lot of that out there? Absolutely. So I've um, been involved with revising uh, plagiarism statements uh, in a, in a college setting because used to we had to define plagiarism as taking somebody else's ideas and using them as your own well the ai isn't a person you're not taking somebody else's ideas uh, which by the way when you go back to the uh you know the patent side um and, and looking at that intellectual property protection uh, my understanding is that right now, anything you produce with an AI systems, let's say I generated uh, some artwork using Dolly, um, which is that image generation tool from OpenAI. If I made something with that, because a person didn't make it, it doesn't have any IP protection, no intellectual property protection. Um, so unless the laws are changed, that's you know that that's absolutely an issue um, yeah. for people that that trust that 
Uh, you and I worked for a period of time. In fact, this is where we met at the same academic institution. And I can remember I was uh, assistant dean and uh, uh, dean of faculty for a while. And so I would run the faculty meetings. And I can remember bringing in a, a, an attorney one time to talk about copyright and plagiarism and some of those things, because one of the big issues way back then, and of course, the laws may have changed since then. I've been out of academics for a while, but was who owns the copyright of a recording. If a student records your lecture, uh, the, the, at that time, the copyright laws were whoever first recorded it uh, owns it. In fact, there was a big landmark case, as I recall, involving the Beatles in which some uh, engineering tech in the studio when they were practicing and rehearsing was secretly recording it. And then he actually owned the rights to that particular song because he was the first one to record it. And so my takeaway from that at the time was I started recording every place I speak so that you know no one can claim they were the first one to record it. I've got it recorded. Um, but you know, you're right. If if you produce something or AI produces something, even if you paid the fee, you know, you pay the chat GPT fee or whatever it is. Uh, I guess right now we're we're in this this sort of neverland where nobody really knows who owns that intellectual property, right? Absolutely, and and that's one of the pieces that's badly badly trailing in this whole AI development is that legislative side. You know, we've certainly seen the calls from certain tech leaders like Elon Musk uh, stating the the truth that, you know, we we, we need to have uh, lawmakers who understand the technology well enough. Uh, he didn't say that part, but I'm, I'm throwing that one in. Um, understand the technology well enough to come up with good laws to protect people. It's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's too late. Um uh, anything you see legislatively will be either desperate attempts by politicians to ultimately protect themselves in most cases um, because their constituents are being laid off in mass due to AI displacing people in the workplace. Um, you know, they might be trying to get some things passed to protect jobs. Like I said, ultimately, I think to protect the politician, right? If they don't have people to vote them into office, then what? Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's it's too late. We needed this stuff in place a decade ago. Yeah. And I tell you, if we're at the point where we're relying on our legislators and bureaucrats who in some cases can't even define what a woman is uh, yeah. to solve the problems of regulating AI, we are in big, uh, big trouble. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so many things running through my mind as I think about uh, how fast this is upon us. Let's go back to the cell phone uh, thing. You know, I've talked about how uh, one of the big CEOs of a, of a cell phone manufacturer, I think it was Nokia, mentioned at a World Economic Forum summit recently uh, uh, that by 2030, cell phones will be implanted within the body. Yeah. Um, well, Okay, that may be, and I sure hope that we're raptured before we get to that point. But what about right now? I mean, I just got an alert today from uh, Apple about a new security update that they want to install overnight. Um, once, once these cell phones, you know, Apple and uh, Android, Google are using AI, you know, how will we even know that that's happening? And should we abandon our cell phones at that point? I would argue that you already don't know what's happening on your phone. <laughs> Amen. Um, and it's been that way since the beginning. So I, I, I think that is an old problem, actually. It's just going to get exponentially worse mm -hmm. as the capabilities of not only the phone itself, you know, as the processors and so forth get more powerful, there's just more computational power available to do whatever it is that, that, that it's being tasked with. You get that, advancements in the AI systems, uh, again, that um AI being built into the phones. Um we've we've lost control already. We we really have. And I'm not and I'm really and I JB, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm not a person that ch chases after that which is sensational. I, I don't uh like to exaggerate. I try to be pretty measured in my my talk. Um if anything where I where I err is that effort to be measured in, in how I communicate uh, sometimes causes me to understate things. Mm -hmm. But but let's be clear, um, we've already lost control 
of this whole AI avalanche. Um, and, and I think avalanche is not a bad way to describe it. Yeah. Um, it's, this is going to be very, very powerful. Yeah, last week we titled our podcast The Avalanche of Technology and the Antichrist's Tyranny. Um, I mean, that could be a standing title, honestly, for all yeah. of our podcasts, because it is it is coming so fast. Um, you know, I it's feel good. like we, we just have to, you know, uh, I don't know what the answer is, because it's one of those enemies that is pervasive. It's kind of like the old, uh, I don't remember, Japanese proverb, I think, if you want to know about water, don't ask a fish, right? Because yeah. it's, it's all around you. You just, you can't, yeah. I mean... I, I dream, I literally do dream, by the way, of uh, going off the grid. Uh, and it's always a, such a pleasant dream to be off the grid, disconnected, living on a mountaintop, just me and my family and the Lord and the deer and the bear and the mountain lions. But then I wake up the next morning and immediately I'm surrounded with technology. You know, I've got yeah. our security system at the house and the office. I've got uh my cell phone, I've got my laptop, I've got the podcasting apps, all. So, I mean, are we, are we going to ever uh, reach a tipping point where Christians uh, and awake people say enough is enough, or is it just something we're going to have to learn to live with? I, in, unless you are one of those people who is capable of going off grid, uh, which is, is not an insignificant undertaking. Um, I think we're going to have to figure out on a person by person basis where to draw these lines. Yeah. And, 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 you know, from, from past conversations, I'm not against AI fundamentally. Uh, I'm not against technology. Um, but we also need to be honest about what's happening. You know, there's some good things that are going to come out of AI. Uh, it's going to improve certain, certain people's lives dramatically. Um, but then there's also going to be a dark side to it. You brought up earlier in the podcast, biblical anthropology, and that is what is missing from this equation. When you hear the different tech leaders discuss AI, it becomes very, very, very clear that they do not have a biblical worldview. And so their view of humanity is not sufficient to guide the development of this. No. It kind of reminds me of, um, Remember the movie Wall Street, uh, and it had a character named Gordon Gecko in it. Wow. Uh, was it? I can't remember the actor's name now. Well, I can see his face, but um, and uh, he had that famous line for the movie: "Greed is good." Um, did you know that that was based? That character was based, and that that philosophy encapsulated in that statement was based upon the writings of. Um, it looked like you know, we normally hear it pronounced Ayn Rand, um, but you know, Ayn Rand, yeah. uh, the philosopher. Um, what I think a lot of people aren't familiar with is what a darling she was of the Washington social scene. And so she regularly had uh, guests over, like uh, Greenspan, uh, that famous director of the Federal Reserve. And so many of the legislative changes that we saw in the 80s and 90s uh, that, that led to massive financial issues or because of that philosophy that we need to pull regulations off of these companies, these corporations, change laws that allow them to do things that previously we, pre we prevented them from doing because this idea that humans, um, because they're greedy, they want more, they will do what is best because that helps their company grow the most. Yeah. By doing what is good, doing what is best, you get maximum returns in the marketplace. Well, we saw that didn't work out very well at all. Mm -mm. Um, and that's because of the lack of a biblical anthropology. And unfortunately, um, and, and I, you know, I didn't come on here to, to, to rip on, on churches, but when you look at what so many churches teach right now concerning people, it is not a biblical position. Mm -hmm. They have a worldly position, and, and that's going to be one of the biggest issues when it comes to this kind of technology. Yeah, it um, really I, is. I mean, it's uh, you got it, it, let's set aside for a second, just the Luciferian influence, the fact that Satan's the one pulling the strings. He's work, you know, he's got key people that are working at his behest to try to take over this world. Let's come down a couple layers from that. 
just the the greed and the almighty dollar and the humanistic you know thinking uh by the way that was michael douglas was the actor and he uh he won the best uh act the academy award for best actor for that film and it was a a pretty powerful film i remember it well martin sheen uh and and uh, charlie sheen and it was uh (laughs) It was typical of, you know, the, of the 80s, you know, and 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 what what we saw happen. But it's a quote that I heard recently was, you know, people will say it's all it's it's about the almighty dollar. And that's that's one way to put it. Another way to put it is for many people, all that matters is the decimal point. You know, how many digits are to the left of the decimal point uh, and whatever it takes to get there and to increase that. No regard, no regard for human life no regard for morality, no regard for how they hurt people. I mean, think about the Bernie Madoffs of the world. Uh, you know, these people that just, uh, they're, it's like their their conscience is seared and they will do whatever it takes to make money. And they may or may not even realize that they're part of a larger conspiracy to bring down uh, America. But uh, so, yeah, I think, I think you're right. This is, uh, it's going to be, bo- it's going to, we're 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 not well equipped. The church has absolutely fumbled the ball in equipping God's people to withstand what's coming. And yeah. uh, we we need a revival, you know, to some extent. We know we're not going to see a global revival before Christ returns. It's going to get worse and worse, second Timothy three thirteen. But if the Lord doesn't come back soon, uh, boy, you know, we're going to just have to pray that God raises up godly men and women in key places to try to, hold off this avalanche as you called it that's coming absolutely and do we have a few more minutes or something i want to uh bring up based upon something you just said yeah you bet let's let's uh i'll throw it back to you here and you can kind of close out with this next uh topic you you mentioned just a moment ago that it's all about the decimal point right at the end of the day it comes down to the money um and so i've been thinking a lot because we are starting to see more and more stories about uh, systems like uh, GPT, um, the question, are we seeing the beginnings of consciousness in these systems? And the the big economic driver here is to achieve AGI or artificial general intelligence, meaning that that AI system can perform a number of different kinds of tasks at the same level, or maybe even better than your typical human. And so that's kind of a holy grail achievement in in AI right now. And so, of course, and it's a huge debate. Are we really going to see technology that performs at the level of a human um, in in multiple areas? Certainly narrow AI, AI that does one thing like play chess. Yeah, that's been beating people for a while now. Um, But this general intelligence, that's a much tougher thing. And so I've been thinking about that that question. I'm I'm still in the camp that we're not going to see AGI. But I don't know that AGI is needed. Because this is going to be driven by dollars and cents, if we have AI systems that can perform at say 80% of the capability of a human worker, but it costs that corporation, everything said and done, maybe 10% of what that human worker costs, guess what? Companies will, by and large, maybe not for each and every position, but by and large, will adopt those AI systems because it's just cheaper. And so maybe it takes me a little bit longer to produce the work product. Maybe I have to throw two AIs at it. Um, But at some point, these systems will scale enough to where it is, uh, the work product is good enough and at a price so far below what it costs to have a human do it, we're going to see those jobs eliminated and being replaced by by AIs. So your statement about it's all about the decimal point, um, that is absolutely true. Uh, we That is what's going to drive this. It's simply money. And I know there are, you know, because I, I read the articles, I see the, the commentators state that we're not going to see this kind of job loss until there's something incredible like AGI on the market. I, I think that's wrong. Wow. Um, if it's good enough and is radically cheaper, we will see significant job losses. That that's part of what drives that eighty percent prediction, which I know is is aggressive. Um, I, I I don't see a lot of people saying that, but I did see an article in the last few days a company in India that ran a call center. That was how they did their customer support. Um, 
he pretty much laid off everybody. I think it was 90% job loss of that company. He replaced people with some kind of AI system for mm-hmm. doing customer service. Well, Shane, you know, you you alluded earlier that, uh, you know, you're not a sensationalist. You're not one of these that just kind of overreacts or, you know, uh, exaggerates. And I know that to be true. In fact, uh, you know, I've credited you in my first volume of Spirit of the Antichrist as being kind of the one that sent me down this rabbit hole of the conspiracy. And I think along the way over the last 17 years, there have been multiple times when we've, we've had late night discussions, typically when I was traveling on the road and, or maybe you were coming home from teaching a class and we would kind of use the drive time to talk. And a lot of times you were trying to rein me in saying, well, now don't, don't go, you know, don't go too far. So I, I tend to be one that has to be reined in, not you, you're very deliberate, very analytical. And uh, so it definitely gets my attention and it should get our listeners attention to when, when you you know, give the, these types of projections. And and I think you're spot on. And and that's really fascinating to me when you say it really doesn't matter on one hand whether the Luciferians ever achieve artificial general intelligence, because even if they get anywhere close, it can become a tool that increases the bottom line for all of these corporate, you know, globalists. And, yeah. you know, if they can get an and you know to to restate what you just said, if they can get AI to do eighty percent as much as a human being was doing, but for a fraction of the cost. I mean, think about it: no insurance, no health, no paid vacation, no food, a suit, a FICA. Uh, you know, not to mention the ongoing cost of salary rather than just a one-time fee. Uh, then, you know, of course they're going to just lay people off, and and the, and the the effect of that. Again, I think it's all part of a larger plan is to devastate the economy, devastate families, cause people to starve, cause people to become desperate and to depopulate, which is what what the Luciferians have, have been wanting to do for a long time. So, uh, yeah, thank, I, you for that, thank, thank, thank you for that encouraging uh, outlook there, Shane. <laughs> yeah, I um, um, but let me just throw in one other thing. You know, when I, I said 10 percent of the cost, um, something that I've built into that 10 percent number is the actual AI won't be that expensive. Um, the ability of companies to have a AI that performs at a significant percentage of the capabilities of a human worker for a you know single digit percentage of the cost. Uh, part of that part of that ten percent number is going to be paying into some kind of universal basic income fund so that the displaced workers have some level of income coming in. And which sounds good on one hand, um, I actually saw an article today talking about how that's going to be a golden era for us. <laughs> we get rid of the, the the jobs we don't want, make the machines do that kind of cruddy work. We're all getting universal basic income and we can be creative and make things right. We can have this different kind of world. Um, the reality is, is if we are in mass being supported by something like UBI and you throw in digital IDs and a digital currency, which I think a digital currency is really just an extension of a digital ID, um, the level of control and the level of oppression will have never been seen in human history before. And the only thing that will exceed that is when the Antichrist is on earth reigning for those seven years of the Great Tribulation. That is it. The beast system. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's setting the stage. It's the forerunner, whatever you want to call it, for that system after uh, the rapture. Yeah, I mean, nothing, you don't get anything for free. No such thing as a free lunch, right? It's going to cost you something, and it'll cost you dearly once they roll out that universal basic income. So, well, lots more we could talk about. Uh, We'll have to save it for uh, the next time. But, you know, uh, I mentioned this Wednesday uh, on our podcast with uh, Randy, but I want to give credit where credit is due. Randy and Shane and I dialogue uh, here and there offline week to week. And uh, Shane uh, one day emailed me and uh, Randy and said, boy, Psalm 140 is is a psalm that is encouraging for us. And I want to encourage our listeners with it once again, because we're ending the week now and talking about a lot of foreboding stuff. Um, But in Psalm 140, 
It reads, deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who, who have purposed to make my steps stumble. So that's our prayer. And uh, if you're listening to the program today and you don't know the Lord, you're not part of the family of God, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, let me implore you, today's the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Nothing you can do to earn it. There's no hoops that you have to jump through, no uh, you know, contract you have to sign. It's simply a matter of receiving the free gift of eternal life that's already been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior. He died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. And the way you receive that gift is simply by trusting in Him over and against anything and everything else. It's it's uh, exclusive trust in Him, not your religion, not your parents, not your background or your heritage or your good works or your inherent worth, not your money, not your job. You trust only in Jesus Christ, and He will forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. And for those of you that have already done that, let me encourage you uh, to remember this psalm from David, that uh, the Lord will preserve us, and we know who wins in the end. So Shane, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just um, focus in. We're entering some some rough times, some dark mm. days. Um, and it's going to be maddening to many believers because while it's going to be happening to everybody at the same time, we're going to see friends, maybe even family members, co-workers who don't see the risk in the same way mm. and will run headlong uh, into this destruction that's coming. And it is an economic destruction that's coming. Uh, it is not going to be the golden era. And mm -hmm. so the ministry opportunity, um, if we are properly equipped to be able to share the gospel and to minister to people, to teach them the word, uh, there's going to be such a huge opportunity ministry-wise in, mm -hmm. in the coming days, unlike we've ever seen before. Amen. Good word. I'm, that's a great reminder. So there is an urgency to the hour. Remember the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. So thanks so much, Shane. We'll uh, we'll look forward to our next time. Uh, and uh, I want to remind folks, uh, we're starting a new segment on Monday, uh, July 17th, called Ask Dr. Hickson a Question. And so on our webpage, on the highlight carousel, if you scroll through the announcements there, you'll see a banner there that says, click here to email me a question. And uh, we're going to collect those week to week and start you know, answering them uh, on air. Uh, that'll be, uh, I think, beneficial for everybody rather than me just answering one by one each question. So if you have a question, shoot it our way uh, by email and we'll get to it uh, in the coming uh, episodes uh, there. Uh, so thank you again, Shane. God bless you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to a great week next week, uh, it, either you know next week or in the air. What would, wouldn't it be great if we had a great reunion in the sky, if the Lord comes back and that trumpet sounds and we don't have to worry anymore about uh, AI. So uh, thanks, Shane. Thank you, everybody. God bless, and we'll talk again soon.